0: There is an incredible beauty in, in the statements that we just heard. These are, these are statements that are, are taken from uh, a, a, a piece of, uh, of, of document, if you will, that the early church sat down and prayed about and wrote Asking the question, "What do we believe?" and this this uh, this statement has become known as as the Apostles' Creed. and, and a couple of years back, the uh, the worship team at, at Hillsong, uh, along with uh, with some of their their pastors, sat down and and said, "How can we how can we bring this statement into the expression of worship that it is?" And uh, and there's such a there's such a beauty in this because because this is this is what we as as the church would call orthodoxy. This is this is the a, a statement of this is the thing that we believe to be true. And so if these are the statements that we agree on as as truth, then everything really should should pour out of those things, right? You know, this year uh, this year God has been. Been challenging me in a, in a lot of different ways, and uh, I believe it was it was Socrates who said uh, that that we should know ourselves. But I believe that David actually got it better in, in Psalm 139, where he said, "Search me, O God, and know my heart; know my innermost being; root out in me if there's any offensive way." and And this year has been for me a a year of pruning. And a year where, where God, has, God has introduced me to my true self. And I'm thankful for that. Because there are things, there are things that I've gotten to, to know about myself that, that, that really pour into who I am and how I live and, and how I minister and how I fulfill the calling that, that God has placed on my life. And, and one of those, those things that I learned is that I'm a storyteller. I love to tell story. Because I feel that there's an incredible connection when, when you can relate to a character, when you can connect in a story. There's something that's so beautiful about that. There's a way of expressing truth that's so brilliant and so beautiful. And, and, and I love it so much because I see Jesus doing that. He shares stories that are familiar, that make a point. They're called parables. Parables. Several years back, uh, my family, uh, I grew up in a tiny town in central Pennsylvania. It's a, it is one of two Pottsgroves in Pennsylvania. It is the one that is spelled with two words, not one. And in this tiny town uh, of Pottsgrove, we, um, we had a volunteer fire department. We had a garage that was, uh, that was owned by a local gentleman, uh, Volkswagen enthusiast. I think I've, I saw every model of Volkswagen that there ever was in that town because he had them on his property. He loved the things. Um, uh, and, and we had, our, we had a, uh, a post office, but, but the only 24-hour source of entertainment in our town were the uh, two soda machines at the corner of our one intersection that had a stop sign, not stoplights. And in this tiny town of Pottsgrove, two words, where there are two soda machines and a garage and a volunteer fire department and a, uh, a post office, uh, we had friends. And, uh, and there, was, there was this time that we went over to our friend's house. And, or, and it seemed like every time that we would go over there, we would spend time in the same room in the house. And now, I was like, yay big, but like... I still had an understanding of perception like, you know, either this house is like smaller on the inside or it's bigger on the outside because I've only seen one room in this house. It was the good room. It, is, it was the room that when you had guests over, this is where you would be. It's, it's where you would entertain. It's where you would maybe share a meal or a cup of coffee or a conversation. We spent a lot of time in the good room but I'm curious. I'm a really curious guy. Like, if you ever invite me over your house, I promise I will not open your cupboards or anything like that. Like, I'm not that curious. But I kind of wonder, like, how do you have your cabinets organized? Like, you know, do you, do you do it alphabetically or do you do it by, like, the type of thing? Or, like, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? Like, I, I, wonder, I wonder these things. But I think often we get stuck in the good room. That's all that we see, or that's all that's presented to us. The, the second thing that I, I've learned about myself this year is I like to ask questions. Again, I'm a very curious person. And this year I've been starting to ask some questions of, of things that matter, not just curiosities, but, but things that actually matter. Um, and, and one of the questions that I've asked is Is this it? Is, is this it? Is this, is this all there is? And, and, and the question I've been asking, and, and if you've been in the youth group, and I've got a couple of my teens here, and I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning. Thank you for, for not only being here, but sitting up front. I love your friendly faces. Love that you're here. But one of the questions that I've been asking is, 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 is this it? Like, like what, is, what is the church? What is a Christian because I've grown up my entire life in the church. And I've grown up my entire life as a Christian. And I've asked these questions, but I'm asking them again. And I'm asking them with fresh eyes. And so in the youth group, in the last couple of in the last month, we, we started asking these questions, and I asked our, our teens, would you tell me what is the perception of the church? If you were to just take like a cultural sampling, what is the view of the church? What does our culture say about the church? The same thing goes with Christians. What does our culture, how are are we portrayed in culture, in media and music and video games, whatever the medium is? How are we portrayed in that? Now let's go to Scripture. What does Scripture say about the church? What does Scripture say about the follower of Jesus Christ, and do the two of those match up? And are we satisfied with that? Are we satisfied with just staying in the good room and wondering if there's not anything else out there? You know, I I, after a couple of of times of visiting our friends, I discovered why we stayed in the good room. And we stayed in the good room because the rest of the house was a disaster. And I can't throw stones too far because, you know, the house wasn't exactly, you know, the, the picture of good housekeeping either. But I wonder sometimes in our Christianity, in our discipleship in our following of Jesus are we satisfied with the good room are we satisfied with Jesus just staying in the good room and leaving the other rooms alone I want to bring you to a portion of scripture that's found in Luke chapter 22 and and this morning I got to tell you I'm not going to preach for long I, i you know this this week as I've been praying about this and I've been preparing for the for this morning. The thing that God has told me is tell a couple of stories, read a couple of scriptures, and shut up. And I'm not about to be disobedient to Him. So in Luke chapter 22 we find uh, we find this this starting in verse 39. Luke chapter 22 verse 39. Jesus Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples and he found them asleep. Exhausted from sorrow. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray. So you will not fall into temptation. I find it really interesting in this story. Unless Jesus had like a really good arm on him, like a stone's throw, that's not very far. This is Luke that's writing here. Luke is a doctor. Like, this is a guy that details are important to him. He is a physician. This actually, this this book here that we have, the the book of Luke, the the Greek that that we have, uh, that we translated this document from, is one of the best. Greek documents, of all of the historical documents that we have, students of Greek will study the book of Luke to learn the language. And Luke, I think very precisely, he, he gives this estimation of, it's, it was about a stone's throw. It wasn't very far. And Jesus is, is praying, and he's, he's having this, this wrestling match of, Father, I know what your will is, and I know it's going to hurt, And I know it's going to be dirty, and it's going to be uncomfortable. But I want what you want. And if I were that close to Jesus, what would my response be in that moment? When he asks me, the the Son of God asks me to join him in prayer. Do I be like, oh, poor me. Oh, Jesus, you drug us out here. We're tired. Come on. We just ate a Passover dinner. I'm full, you know, like, nap time coma. Seriously, Jesus, just let me sleep. I'll pray later. But this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. He's he's already revealed to you that he's the Messiah. He invites you to pray. He invites his disciples to pray twice. And they're like, yeah, we'll get to it. And if we keep reading on, we see what happens. It's fight or flight. Peter draws a sword, hacks off a dude's ear. Jesus has to put it back on him. The rest of them scatter. These are people who are not unfamiliar with how to pray. Jesus actually taught them how to do that. It's interesting, if you flip over to, uh, to Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, in other accounts, actually, the disciples ask Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus, he, he instructs them, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our, de- our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and some later manuscripts. It says for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. If this is the thing that Jesus is inviting them into and it's the thing that he invites us into the central character in all of these things should be Jesus. In this prayer that Jesus instructs them in, it starts out with a recognition of who God is. Do you know how awesome God is? Like, I don't. I, I can't fathom Him. I, 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 can't, I can't fully grasp the awesome nature of our God. God. I believe it was, it was Francis Chan that said, you know, this is, this is the God who created light and galaxies and hydrogen and pine needles and E minor. And he loves us so much. He loves us so much. And our response to that, we go to church, we sing a couple of songs, and we try not to cuss we leave Jesus in the good room. But see there's something that happens if you fast forward the story beyond the failure because here's the thing is that Jesus he never leaves us in the places that he finds us. This is one of the things I love so much about him. But if we fast forward in into the book of Acts, if we fast forward in Acts chapter 1 on one occasion, this is starting in verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this is post-resurrection, this is Jesus spanked to death. And, and he, says, he says this on one occasion, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They still didn't quite catch what God was doing here. But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set out by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the disciples, they stop and they actually pray. And the thing that happens next is Astronomical. They let Jesus out of the good room. They let Jesus out of the good room and he cleans the house. And there's this thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes in that lives are transformed and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it starts with the question that's the question that we have to ask ourselves today, and that is this, is Jesus central? Is Jesus Jesus central in all that we do, or do we leave him in the good room? I'm going to ask of you something today. That's gonna be a little uncomfortable. And we're gonna do it right here. We're gonna do this right here, right now. Because it's so easy for us to take something like this and be like, oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't quite a three point sermon, but it was, yeah. I didn't really like that. And we walk out the door and we don't really do anything with what, we've, with what we've engaged in the living Word of God. But here's the thing here's the thing that I wanna challenge you to do today. In the next couple of minutes, you and I, we're going to pray together. You're going to pray with each other. If you're a ministry leader, I want you to stand up. I want you to find somebody that you don't know. Maybe take somebody with you that you do know, and I want you to pray. And we're going to ask this question in several, in a couple of areas. And Bailey, I'm going to have you put this up on the screen. I want you to ask the question, is Jesus central in the church? Is Jesus central in my personal ministry? Is Jesus central in my relationships, in how I handle my money, in in conversations, in my hopes for the future, in priorities, in my hobbies or free time, in my attitudes, in my assessment of others, in jobs slash school life, and fill in the blank. If you don't want, know what to pray in one of these, I invite you to pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm one thirty one or, or 139 where he said, search me, O God, and know my heart, know my innermost being, root out if there's anything offensive in me because Jesus needs to be central in the church and he needs to be central in your life and he needs to be central in my life in order for us to be a hell-shaking church. We need Jesus at the center. He can't stay in the good room, folks. And it starts when we humble ourselves to pray. That's it. That's what I've got today. Let's pray together. I invite you now. Stand up. Find somebody. Pray together. Folks, we need to pray. We need to pray.